You know, there's lots of tragedy around the world these days, but this is a show about love, and often love involves sex. And sex is a bit like a secret society. Everybody's doing it. It's just that nobody talks about it. Well, nobody except me, of course, here every Sunday night on the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW, the show where we educate everyone about sexual health, how it relates to your overall health, making your relationships the best they can be. Good evening. I am Maureen McGrath. I'm a registered nurse in the field of sexuality. I'm also author of the book Sex and Health, Why One Can't Come Without the Other. I am a researcher in sexuality and in sexual health, blogger at Fifty Shades of Pink, which is on my website, backtothebedroom.ca. I'm a clinician. I have two clinical practices, one in Vancouver, one in North Vancouver. I'm also a TEDx speaker. My subject was the sexless marriage. We talk a lot about that here on the show. And I'm also your resource to help start that conversation, answer your questions, and help you discover new and exciting things about sex, relationships, health, love, and your body. I make no innuendos, no judgments, and no apologies. Just fearless, straight-up talk about sex. I guarantee it will be illuminating, enlightening, and fun. So please stay with me. But do put the kitties to bed, as listener discretion is advised. I would like to say hello to my board op here, Matt. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to have you here. Thanks. Nice to be back as always. Sundays uh. keep coming very quickly when I'm working <laughs> with you. Uh, well, you know, a couple of my patients this week actually said, uh, you know that fella, Matt, you know, he's really nice and you guys have great chemistry. Oh, well, you can't really see how much I'm blushing right now, but I'm very <laughs> flattered to hear that. Well, they're noticing you out there, Matt. Hey, maybe one day we'll, I'll be your co-host. <laughs> Hey, you never know, right? <laughs> Absolutely. At the moment, I am a one-woman show. But that's okay. You know, women can go at their own these days in many aspects of life, and that's not always been the case. And uh, and women need to go it on their own, I think. Uh, and especially, they need to be able to have self-esteem and self-confidence and not rely on somebody else to give them uh, their worth in life. And I see that a lot in my clinical practice. I see people who don't want to deal with the problems they have in their relationships because they're afraid they're going to lose the person that they're in the relationship with. And that, that can never be good. It's always better to deal with the problems. And we deal with some of those problems on the show, don't we, Matt? Oh, every, every week. <laughs> every week. We certainly do. So we're going to t- be talking about, uh, some of those issues and uh, why it's uh, good to actually deal with your problems and so you can actually have a better relationship, better sex life, uh, and even better health because it's definitely tied to health. Although even when I try and describe the benefits of sex for some women and, you know, wrinkle-free skin and better sleep and um, a youthful glow, they they still are not convinced that... uh, (laughs) Sex is good. Low sexual desire is a big issue for a lot of people and especially women, but it can happen to men as well. So um, all the single people think that the married people are having all this sex. Well, if they were, I wouldn't have been asked to do a TEDx Stanley Park talk in front of 2,000 people and talk about the sexist marriage. Did you get a chance to watch it? I watched that last week. It was great. Oh, thanks. (laughs) What was your favorite part? You know, I just like seeing how you are on stage because I remember you. <laughs> I hated me, that. Well, go well, ahead. Yeah, you, you were telling me how nervous you were, but you looked great, and like I, I almost didn't recognize you at first. Like. <laughs> um, 
that I don't but, know if that was, is that a good thing or yeah, bad thing? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it was, I, it was nice because we got to talk about it on the show, and then I went home and watched it right away. Well, thank you very much for watching it. Yeah, so it was great. And I, I actually, to be honest with you, it was the very first TED TEDx I've ever listened to. Or is seen. that right? Well, now I'm blushing, and I'm tre- uh, tremendously honored as well. Well, well 18 thanks. minutes is about all the attention I have, so they really capped it on the, uh, the yeah. times there. Yes, they did. I of course went overtime because you know the the longer the sex, the better, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I <laughs> actually heard that they uh, they started they lowered the amount of time they give you on TEDx because people always ran longer. Right. Well, yeah, it's hard. I usually I stay within my time frame and for some reason I didn't. And actually the raw file is much longer than that. It's actually 26 minutes long. And uh, so I had actually had it on a shared drive that I, I share with a physician over on the island. And he said to me before it was even released, I saw you, I, I watched your TED talk and I said, your TEDx talk. And I said, you did? And he said, yeah, you uploaded it on our share drive. I said, I did? I'm not the most technologically savvy person there ever was. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want any private information with me. Um, But anyway, and I said, oh, it's going to be edited. And he said, you know, if you want to please the TEDx people, edit it. If you want to please the world, keep it all there. But I I did have to to shave it down. So there were some some, uh, points that were uh, eliminated that had to be. But anyway, it's a lot of information. It's it's a com- culmination, really, of lots of patients that I've seen over the last 14 years. And th- this just shows how common the issues are, you know. Yeah, you, well, you know what? I Before I even met you and started working with you, I was just kind of like ticking things off in my head and my old, my past relationship as well. And so, yeah, it, it blew me away. How oh. Everything is so so entwined and yeah it is it's really intertwined and i'll tell you what this is the reason i'm riding my bike to work is because i want to get myself feeling good again and really back yeah, yeah. wow oh. after i broke up with my girlfriend my sexual desire is gone wow and i've never had that experience before. <laughs> we're having the single lady segment tonight don't say that tonight matt you gotta get me you, you never know somebody <laughs> could call in <laughs> want the hot guy behind the boards <laughs> hey now <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, that's great. You know, exercise is so important, increasing blood flow and uh, m- helping with neurotransmitters as well, helping people's Well, mood towards the end of the relationship, better. we were in a really big funk, and I was in a really big funk too, so oh, it's time well, to turn that around. Well, let's defunk you. <laughs> Anyway, well, that's great. A lot of people did ask me, too, um, if I had any uh, cue cards or any teleprompter, but I didn't. And and the reason I didn't need them was because I know those stories so well. I've heard them over and over and over again throughout the years. So anyway, have a look at my TEDx talk. We've taken all this time before I'm going to tell you what's coming up on the show tonight, but I'm going to review this very quickly with you. It is time that doctors warn women of the true risks of childbirth. I'm going to review some of that. That's also some of the work that I do. And what about estrogen? Has the estrogen patch been shown to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's in some people, improve cognition? I don't think as well as sex, but uh, anyway, there's some new research out about that. I'm going to review that. And how about that Ashley Madison rebranding on steroids, huh? Find your moment. So I'm going to review the Ashley Madison. There's a lot of controversy about whether Ashley Madison should even be out there, but uh, and the FTC is looking at that as well because they weren't too happy with the fem bots. Women 
faking it in a whole different way. Also going to talk a little bit about egg freezing. This goes in line with our single lady segment, which I'm going to get to shortly. Um, in case it takes you a while to meet that special someone or you wish to delay motherhood because of your career, I'm going to give you a few quick facts about egg freezing, ladies. And Dr. Anjali Malhotra, women's health specialist, will be joining me at 9 o'clock at the top of the second hour of the show because it's now a two-hour sex show. Uh, we're going to be clarifying everything about contraception for you. It's amazing how many people don't use condoms and then just as amazing how many people think that condoms are more effective than they actually are. Uh, broadly speaking, I'm going to be talking about an organization that helps trans people express their femininity. I love this one. I think this is fantastic because uh, it's it's in line with flirting and with how to express yourself and be out there in the world and, and how um, per- people will perceive you or how you want to be perceived, especially as a trans person. It may be a challenge uh, for you. Also, I just want to review with you a great book that uh, I picked up at the airport and I, I was attracted to the, the, the title. And uh, yes, I judge this book by the title. Uh, the Power of the Other, the startling effect people have on you from the boardroom to the bedroom and beyond and what to do about it's a book by Dr. Henry Cloud, and I think it's fantastic. And my all the single ladies segment, uh, including a new app just for single ladies. I'm going to be talking about that. Last week we spoke about the single ladies, and I had a guest on who had was a single person, single lady, and then she was getting married. But I had an email from a listener, and I'll review that email, and it spawned a new segment here. I think we do need to pay a little bit more attention to the single lady, and especially single ladies' sexual desires. So we're going to be uh, focusing on that. I have a prize to give out tonight, another one, another um, bridal um, uh, sex sex toy um, gift for you. Uh, it's a uh, a couple's vibe. So even if you're, whether you're getting married or not, it doesn't matter if you hope to someday or you hope to be in a relationship, this sex toy is for you. So give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Uh, and you can email me always at sextalk at cknw.com. That's sextalk at cknw.com. I will review your emails tonight. And when I come back, we're going to be talking about some of the potential benefits for estrogen. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm Maureen McGrath. I'm hosting this show. This is Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk, but this is Vancouver's Sex Talk. So thanks for being here with me tonight. We're on the air from 8 to 10 p.m. Uh, the show has been extended. Lots of sex subjects to cover tonight. And uh, if you want to give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I do have Sarah on the line. Hello, Sarah. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for the call. So you're in a new relationship? I am. That's yes. nice. May I ask you, uh, were you you were single for a little bit of time prior to this new relationship? For for a few years. For yeah. a few years, and may I ask you how you've met uh, this person in your life? Uh, through mutual friends. Oh, that's a nice way to meet people. Yeah. Yeah, we're just yeah. looking for ideas tonight here on the show and see uh, what's been effective for other people. I have a new single lady segment coming up a little bit later on in the show. Exciting. Yeah. So, how long have you been with this new person? About six months. Oh, nice. Um, we started dating pretty casually, and things have just kind of progressed. Oh, excellent. Very good. Yeah. Very good. All right. So uh, you uh, would like to win this fabulous little package, even though no plans to marry? 
Um, not currently. <laughs> <laughs> but might you? Do you feel like you found the one? I feel like there's a future there. Yeah. Oh, how nice! Oh, have yeah. you talked about that with? Uh... Um, briefly, oh. a few times. Nice. Um, yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, I think you're well deserving of this Lalo bridal pleasure set. Ooh. You don't have to be a bride to to. Uh, <laughs> I can pretend. <laughs> to enjoy it, yeah. It's okay, but uh, it might give you some good luck. Okay, well, I will take good luck. Okay, fantastic. You can just leave your information. We'll just leave it here for you at the station. All right, thanks for listening, Sarah. Okay, there we go. Our lucky winner of the Lalo Bridal Pleasure Pack, which is a great thing because did you know that most brides do not have sex on their wedding night? So all you single ladies out there who are thinking that all these brides and all these married people are having hot sex, they're not. 7% of married couples set the sheets ablaze. That's it. Okay? So you have the opportunity to have way more sex than uh, some married people. Because married people, things start to get bogged down pretty darn quickly. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that later on in the show. So this uh, Lalo, I love Lalo. It's really high quality. And uh, this is white. That happens to be my favorite color. Is white a color? I don't think so, but I love white. Anyway, um, it's a, a white couple's vibe, and it also has a bit of a blindfold and uh, and a little whip in there. Anyway, to uh, spice things up in the bedroom for you. So that's always good. Um Make it fun. You know, more women report being bored in the bedroom than men. Just a little factoid from your sexpert. Uh, we're going to actually change the focus a little bit and uh, talk about estrogen. The estrogen patch in newly menopausal women may reduce the risk of Alzheimer's disease. So, you know, this has been wondered in the past. It's been looked at. Certainly estrogen has been studied and estrogen has gotten a very bad rap. Uh, on one particular research study, the Women's Health Initiative study, which was abruptly stopped in 2002, and many women came off of estrogen and rebounded in many ways in terms of vasomotor symptoms and also vaginal health issue in, issues, in particular vaginal dryness, which can shut down a sex life. But now we're looking a little bit higher up in the body, the brain, the largest sex organ. Can, brain, can estrogen preserve brain function and decrease the risk of Alzheimer's disease when given early in menopause was the question asked in this study that was done at the Mayo Clinic published this month in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Newly postmenopausal women who received estrogen via a skin patch had reduced beta amyloid deposits, the sticky plaques that are found in the brains of people with Alzheimer's disease. Ultimately, these deposits harm the neurons in the brain, and that is what leads to cognitive problems. In the study, women with APOE, small e4, one form of the most common gene associated with late-onset Alzheimer's disease, had lower levels of amyloid deposits. This is the first time that the brain amyloid deposition, a hallmark of Alzheimer's disease, was reduced in newly postmenopausal women who received the estradiol patch, or the estrogen patch. It's the 17-beta estradiol patch, and that's one form of hormone therapy. Women with APOE E4 who have had a greater genetic risk for Alzheimer's disease particularly benefited from this, ther this therapy. And this is why this is incredibly uh, great preliminary research. 
menopause is defined as occurring about 12, at, sorry, menopause occurs 12 months after the cessation of a woman's last menstrual period. And that marks the end of the me- menstrual periods. And the average age of menopause, depending on what study you're looking at or reviewing, is between 51 and 53 years of age. What happens, a rapid decline in estrogen with menopause may be associated with that increased risk of Alzheimer's disease risk in women. So the Women's Health Initiative study that was done by the NIH reported that menopausal hormone therapy started in women 65 years or older increased the risk of dementia. In contrast, there was another study done uh, in 2010. It's the KEEP study, the Kronos Early Estrogen Prevention Study, tested the hypothesis that healthy and younger women would respond to menopausal hormonal therapy more favorably in a better way. And they certainly did. So this Mayo Clinic study used data from the Kronos, which is the early estrogen prevention study. And the, the problem with the Women's Health Initiative study was that they enrolled older women into a perimenopausal research study. They should have been enrolling younger women, not women who were at greater risk of cardiovascular disease and breast cancer. So many women today say to me, well, estrogen is bad, right? Not necessarily. So the Mayo Clinic study... Uh, about Alzheimer's and the estradiol patch, used data from the Kronos study to determine the effects of menopausal hormone therapy shortly after menopause. So during that critical window when rapid estrogen depletion occurs, and that is 5 to 36 months past menopause, the researchers investigated the brain amyloid deposition in 68 women between the ages of 42 and 59 who participated in the Kronos trial during this particular critical window. And they used PET, or positron emission tomography, to look for the brain amyloid deposits three years after the trial had ended. Of the 68 women, 21 received estrogen via the patch, 17 received oral estrogen, and 30 received a placebo. And the amyloid deposition was lower in women who received the patch compared to the placebo, and the effect was most apparent in women with the APOE E4 genotype. The oral treatment was not associated, interestingly enough, with lower amyloid deposition. So they're going to actually do a little bit more research about this, but this may have a significant impact on women making the decision whether to use hormone therapy in the early postmenopausal years. So it's this, this is why it's so important that we do research on women for women. Uh, because many of the treatments are very different. So this could be a preventive intervention that helps to drive uh, reduction of Alzheimer's disease uh, today. Anyway, good research, interesting research. When I come back, we're going to delve a little bit more into some of the education that women should receive, especially after they've had a baby or maybe before. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW. I am Maureen McGrath. I am hosting this show for you. Thanks for either joining me or staying here with me or being with me tonight. It's always my pleasure to be with you. I'm a registered nurse in the field of reproductive and sexual health, but I'm also a nurse continence advisor, and I fit a lot of women with pessaries. Because a lot of women 
have a prolapse. And they often have no idea what a prolapse is until they feel this unwanted bulge between their legs. Uh, They often think it's cancer or they go to their doctor and their doctor will tell them that you have a prolapse. Now, they don't understand how they got it, why they got it, but it certainly negatively impacts quality of life. I've seen uh, it lead to isolation in some women, depression. It will certainly impact somebody's sex life because often what goes along with it is vaginal dryness, and that can be a contributing factor. Um, And so you hear me talk about personal moisturizers and low-dose localized estrogen therapy, Uh, So many women need that for either vaginal dryness and the most, um, there's a number of different personal moisturizers is Repigine, Gynotroph, Joy Gel. You can use coconut oil if you like. It's just as important to moisturize the vagina as it is the face. Matt and I were talking about uh, Frankie and Grace, the show. Everybody comes up to me and they say just what Matt said to me. You did you tell them what you just yeah, said? Yeah, well, me? I just watched this episode <laughs> where she's making her own lube out of yams. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it ended up on someone's toast at one point, I think. That's right. Yes, because it is edible. Generally, the natural joy gel is edible. That's for sure because it contains coconut oil and yam, African yam, vitamin E, and um, so. Well, and we, we can't forget about the one gentleman who put on his, his roast beef. We cannot, and liked it. <laughs> Of course he did. I'm not going to lie. I was a little curious, too. <laughs> I might substitute mint and jelly next time. I think most guys would try it. But um, but it's it's uh, they are at the perfect age uh, where estrogen decreases in the vagina. It's the hormone regulator of the vagina. It leads to vaginal dryness, painful sex, and it can really negatively impact a sex life. People will have low sexual desire as a result of it, or sex will downright hurt. Well, it makes me wonder about how healthy these lubes are, because I had one that was like this fire and ice tingling thing not and good. it was revolting yeah yeah not good for um, vaginal tissues um, especially if the vaginal tissues are unhealthy and there's a difference between lube or lube, uh, yeah lubricants and personal moisturizers as well so if you use personal moisturizers you likely don't need lubricants uh, lubricants are a bit of a band-aid solution for women who experience vaginal dryness but women who are pregnant postpartum perimenopausal postmenopausal Many, many women can experience vaginal dryness and painful sex. And so there are treatments for you, ladies. Uh, Even uh, gentlemen, if you're hearing this, if you're in a relationship with a woman and sex is painful, I know you don't want to inflict any hurt on uh, or any pain on somebody that you love and you want to have intimate relations with. So uh, this could be uh, the gift that keeps giving. Anyway, (laughs) a personal moisturizer. But some women need low-dose localized estrogen therapy, and that's the tablet or the ring or the cream. So there's Premarin, Estragine, uh, the E-string, or Vagifem. Those are the four different types that are by prescription only. The other ones that I mentioned are over-the-counter. But these have estrogen in them, and you need a prescription. And women who have vaginal atrophy, so may, who may, in addition to have vaginal dryness, have burning, um, recurrent urinary tract infections, um, that thin, watery discharge, those are some symptoms of vaginal atrophy. So you will likely need a prescription from your doctor for low-dose localized estrogen therapy. And sometimes you can use the combination of the moisturizer and the low-dose estrogen therapy. And that Estrogen is low dose. It's in your vagina. It's like a topical moisturizer. So there's no need to worry about cancer. It doesn't actually go into the systemic system. So you should be good with that. But one of the reasons that women uh, have weakened pelvic floor muscles or pelvic floor tearing or that may lead to 
prolapse is because of the risk that is associated with vaginal births. So there are a number of risks at any age uh, that are associated with vaginal births, and they women run the risk of pelvic floor muscle tears, as well as complications causing the baby to go into trauma, or also a mother may be forced to undergo an emergency cesarean section. With the average age of first-time mothers now hovering around 30 in many developed nations, the risks get even higher. For women who delay motherhood even longer than that, um, 37, 39, 40, they're focusing on their careers, um, the risks are even higher. A 2014 study led by Hans Peter Dietz from the Sydney Medical School in Australia showed that for every year later a woman has her first child, her risk of the pelvic floor muscles tearing increases by 6%. So for every year later a woman has her first child. So if you're later than 30, it's going to increase exponentially. You're up in the, 30, the late 30s or early 40s. And the chance of the muscles detaching from the pubic bone altogether, something that greatly raises the risk of vaginal prolapse later in life, increases from 10% at the age of 20 to 20% by the age of 40. Women need to know this. We need to educate women before they get pregnant about this. Women need to know how to do pelvic floor exercises before they get pregnant and to understand the importance and all that the pelvic floor is supporting. Age is a factor because our muscles and ligaments get less stretchy as we grow older, and this makes them more likely to tear during childbirth and increases the likelihood of needing an emergency cesarean section, which carries with it a higher risk of infection, hemorrhage, and blood clots than planned cesarean sections. It's not to say that planned cesarean sections are risk-free. The surgery itself carries the danger of infection, blood loss, and may lead to complications with future pregnancies. So we need to have much more detailed conversations with our doctors about the plans for the delivery of the baby. These risks need to be presented alongside of the rest of the facts. There's lots of leaflets out there about cesarean sections, yet most people opt for a vaginal birth, and there are no risk leaflets for vaginal births. You, you don't see that, and you don't get that. It's something that really needs to be developed. Uh, some... Uh, some worry that women will choose to have cesareans unnecessarily if the risks of natural birth are emphasized too strongly. A vaginal birth is not a treatment. It's a natural consequence of being pregnant. And so we really need to have this healthy debate, but you also need to understand that a vaginal birth does not come without risk. You have the risk of leaking urine. You have the risk of coping with fecal incontinence from a bad vaginal delivery. And a woman needs to be able to make that choice. We need to empower women, and these are some of the conversations that we need to start having uh, with women, with pregnant women, and with they need to talk to their doctor, their obstetrician, gynecologist about this because so many women who come into my clinical practice with prolapse after having had a baby, after having had their first baby, and they, their bladder may have fallen down, so it's a cystocele, or their uterus in some cases have fallen down. I see women of all ages, and I fit them with pessaries, which is a conservative measure. Some women go on to have surgery. Some doctors tell, I had a case last week, a woman phoned me, and she said the only option the doctor gave her was surgery, and she didn't want to be out of work for six weeks, and she'd heard about a pessary. So, uh, but these are some of the conversations we need to start educating women a whole lot earlier than we are now. Anyway, when I come back, we're going to talk about how not to get pregnant. Let's clear up contraception. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980 CKNW.
Great song. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on News Talk 980 CKNW, Vancouver's Sex Talk. Uh, you can always call me, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell if you have any questions at all about anything. We're going to be talking about contraceptive methods right now, but uh, and Dr. Anjali Malholter is going to join me shortly. But if you have questions about relationships, your health, life, love, you're confused about something, expression of sexuality, whatever, give me a call, 604 604- 280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Don't be afraid. I don't bite. Well, here, anyway. No. <laughs> that was so bad. Anyway, um, let's get serious again. Okay, we're talking about types of birth control. Different contraceptive methods suit different people. And the best choice? Well, that's the one that feels right for you and your partner and what will be most effective in preventing an unwanted pregnancy as well as a sexually transmitted infection. We have lots of choices. The oral contraceptive pill, contraceptive patch, vaginal contraceptive ring, contraceptive injection, the IUD, these are all effective, and the condom too. And joining me on the line to discuss all of this is my friend and colleague, Dr. Anjali Malhotra. She's a women's health specialist over at Olive. Hi, hello, Dr. Malhotra. Hello, Maureen. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Oh, good. Thanks for joining me tonight pleasure on this uh yet another uh summer of winter evening we're having here in vancouver summer my goodness (laughs) i did manage to get a swim in today i have to say i got i swam in the ocean today it was gorgeous that's nice yeah we spent some time at the beach it was really nice yeah it was lovely anyway so um types of birth control there's lots of confusion about this how they act in the body what happens to a woman's body what how effective they are so Help no, me clear up some of the confusion. It's funny because birth control, everyone encounters it at some point in some fashion, whether it's pulling out or going straight up to getting your tubes tied. There's some in between for everyone, if not both extremes. And there's a lot of confusion surrounding these. So if we sort of start with least efficacious to most, you know, condoms are wonderful. They serve a purpose. They are absolutely the best thing you can do to prevent sexually transmitted infections. But as far as birth control, they're not the greatest. When we look at sort of what we consider a typical use rate, so not the number that when you go to Wikipedia, you see this perfect use rate. We see these typical use rates, which is what the average person is going to achieve with their birth control. We're getting around 20, 25% failures with some of these methods that are barrier contraceptions like condoms. And it really comes down to the fact that they're just not being used as effectively. People so don't like to use condoms, do they? They feel that it impacts the sensation. It impacts the sensation, and maybe, you know, at that moment, it just doesn't end up happening. That's right. The heat of the moment, in other words. Exactly, exactly. We're not going to open up a foil pack. Yeah, it just, you know, oops. (laughs) Not that sexy, not that arousing. impact the mood. It's important and I wish it was something that was pervasive because our rates of STIs have gone up, but at the same time that's the reality of the situation at this point in time. So then we've progressed to more efficacious methods, so methods that work a little bit more solidly, and those are things like pills, patches, and rings. And what's interesting is they all work the same way, so they inhibit ovulation. So the Nuva ring, which is a ring that goes right into the vagina once a month, it is very easy to use because it's monthly, you don't have to remember it all the time. And uh, the patch, which is weekly, again, not as cumbersome as a daily pill. And then good old pill that everyone loves and uses heavily in North America. Um, 
but these still achieve 8 to 10% failure rates. So we don't really hear that. We think, oh, 99% effective with these. But forgetting a pill here and there can impact the next cycle, where it's a method that's trying to inhibit ovulation. But if you miss a pill, you might ovulate the next cycle. So you might have an accidental pregnancy. Right. So, so, so the risk of pregnancy is, is much higher than is to be believed or than is believed out there. Exactly. And that's where that typical versus perfect use rate comes in and that confusion of, well, I thought I was on a method that worked really effectively. Right. And this confusion of what's happening with them. So when you take them, you're taking them, you know, to manage your cycle and that's how you're going to prevent a pregnancy. But remember and bear in mind, you're not getting a real period when you're on these methods. Mm -hmm. These methods only have that period-like break because to come to market way back in the day, the Catholic Church said, you better have this. So it was integrated into the system. And so they all have this, you know, four to seven day break within them. And it was the Catholic Church that (laughs) put the pressure on to say women need to have a period? Well, yeah, and it's not even a real period. Like, no. It's just a withdrawal bleed. You take away hormones, you bleed. Right. So that's all that's happening. And I know women come in all the time saying, you know what, I had regular periods when I was on the pill. Well, actually, you had regular withdrawal bleeds. Right. So actually, we have no idea if you had a normal regular cycle at all for those 10 or 15 years you were on the pill. So it can get confusing when someone comes off of it. So that's a little bit of trivia there about the pill. <laughs> no, but it's very interesting. And it's important for women to know because their cycle is being completely managed. And That's they right. Know that. So, and then we get to methods that don't particularly do that. And although they have hormones in them, some of the IUDs do contain the same hormones that you have in the pill. They don't manage your cycle in the same way. So it's slightly different. And one, they're rates of pregnancy are far lower because you take out the forgetting of a method. You put in an IUD, it lasts for three to five to ten years, depending on which one you get. So you just stop thinking about it at that point. It just stays in and works. But you ovulate. Like, you have your regular cycle in the background of this IUD, no matter what. So whether it's a copper, non-hormonal, or a hormonal, you're still going to have a cycle. So that's a bit of confusion where people can, I don't want any hormones, you know, had a bad experience. And I can totally understand that. But remember that, in fact, this is not working the same way. It's local hormones only. It's not your whole body. And on some of the IUDs, you're achieving rates of not getting pregnant at one in a thousand, so 0.1% or 0.3%. So like Chetis and Morena would, would get that. And a copper IUD is 1%. So still far better than what you're getting on the pill patch, condom, those kinds of things. Right. How about the contraceptive injection? It's a great method. Um in the populations that it works within. So when women really like it, they love it, and they can stay on it, it doesn't achieve much better rates than, you know, patches and rings because you still have to go and see a practitioner every three months to get the injection. And And who's the population it's good for? Really just the women that love it, that have tried it and it works really well for and don't want to take something daily, and and it works with no side effects in them. And do you recommend it for teenagers, adolescents who are hiding from their parents? I I see that quite a bit, that they don't want the parents to find a pill pack Mm -hmm. around or condoms. Yeah. In that population, I would, to be honest, stress an IUD first, because we do now have a tiny little IUD for women in that age group, the JADIS. It's smaller than any of the others. But the depot is certainly an option. There are some controversies with it that are sort of neither here nor there. That is it going to impact your bone because it's a little bit more hormone than the pill as far as the progesterone on it. Right. And so we don't know because they haven't actually achieved their max bone density. Are we going to negatively impact it? We don't know for sure. 
but we think maybe not. There is just controversy surrounding that. Um, so we still pay attention to it. Right. And the periods can become more irregular or longer or stop altogether with the depo, yeah. the injection, the contraceptive exactly. injection. It's working very similarly to the pill that it's managing your cycle altogether, but there's not the robust two hormones in it where you can manage the cycle in a really intricate fashion. Right. You're just stopping it or you get a little bit of irregular bleeding here and there that gets kind of annoying in some people. It's one of the only birth controls also that has a slight increase in weight in some people, not in everyone, some right. people gain nothing, but it's one that you could potentially have that happen. Well, it's all very interesting. And the Jada is, um, th- that's much smaller uh, one, mm-hmm. so it's better yeah. for younger girls. Is that uh, younger women? Yeah, like the Jada's IED came out a couple of years ago in Canada, but has been out for a while under Skyla in other countries. Uh-huh. And it's, it's a tiny little IED that has a 0.3% failure rate and it lasts for three years. Nice. And it releases a very, very tiny bit of hormone. So if you're contemplating between the copper IED, which can potentially make your periods crampier and heavier in some people, and the Mirena, which can, in about 30% of the population, you don't get any bleeding because it thins out locally in the uterus, the lining, you might consider the Jadis. It's sort of an in-between one, which it's, any woman can use it, but it's particularly helpful in women who haven't had a child because it's a little bit easier to well, put in. It's fantastic information. Thank you so much. I wish you could stay longer. Dr. Anjali Malhotra over at Olive. All right. Great to have you on. All right. And uh, we'll uh, come. We're just going to head to a break now. We'll come back. More sex. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show on News Talk 980. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. Thanks for listening and I uh, hope you'll stay with me in the second hour when we talk about Ashley Madison and the FTC and uh, cheating. What do you think? Do you think there should be a, a bank for uh, cheaters to go to? And also going to be talking about Broadly, a new organization that helps trans people express their femininity. I'm going to review the book. One of my favorite books of summer so far, The Power of the Other by Dr. Henry Cloud, and my single ladies segment and the double standard around sex from men and women. I'm Maureen McGrath. Please stay with me. You're listening to the Sunday Night Sex Show here on Newstalk 980 CKNW.